We love you, Lord. We lift our voices to worship you. We love you. Thank you for your presence here with us, Lord. You are so good. <coughs> you are so good. You are so good. Has anyone heard any reports of reviving? Raise your hands. I want to see how many saw that. At least half of you. Put your hand up if you've seen reports. You know that? And you, you can sit just a minute. I know this isn't necessarily in our schedule, but Holy Spirit schedule. Joyce and I, well, actually, some of you remember Bruce Freeman. He goes by Jazz Freeman now, and he's been actually watching our live stream from the Philippines. And anyway, he's and I've just I've been praying to get back in contact with him for years, for years, because we were pretty close, probably thirty-five some years ago, and. Uh, he, uh, anyway, we have been, and then a week ago, over a week ago, he sent me, it's, it's on Messenger, he sent a thing about revival to Asbury College or University. I thought, yeah, that was back in 1970. I remember it because it hit the college campus where Joyce and I were. Why don't you come up here too, Joyce? It hit the college campus where we were at Northwestern. Um, it was part of the Jesus Revolution. It was part of the charismatic movement, I guess, too. But, uh, and by the way, there's a movie coming to Bemidji next week, Wednesday through Sunday. Wednesday through Sunday, you'll, if you will um, Google it, it'll show you the times. It, when I first saw it, it was one night. And then I'd look, then it was two nights. Now it's through Sunday night, multiple showings on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But evidently it's a movie about Jesus' revolution that you've heard us talk about many times over the years. And it's the one that came on our campus. But anyway, we I started having things pop up on my iPad about revival in Asbury and found out it wasn't 1970 it was talking about it was 19 or 2023. Thank you, Lord. Right now. And, Thank uh, you, Lord. So we got it. I guess the live stream on there, what was going on, and it was so interesting. That chapel there reminds us so much of the chapel at. Northwestern College. I mean, it's in Orange City. If you've seen any pictures of that, that's what the chapel was like where we went to college. And uh, I, I saw this, and it just was overwhelming to me. I mean, the tears just started coming, and 
Could this be? Could this be that the Lord is beginning something here that is going to spread across yes. the whole nation like it did back in 70 or even yes. greater yes. around the world? Yes, thank you, Lord. And it's a thing of repentance. We're believers. You see, we've been talking about, just recent weeks, we've been talking about revival, prayer for revival. Um, and among the young people especially, and that's where it's, it's at the college there is where it's starting. And uh, they're being a spearhead. Remember us talking about that? And uh, it's a thing of repentance, humility before the Lord, and worship. Mm -hmm. Just worshiping God. Mm -hmm. And then him moving in people's mm -hmm. hearts, bringing healing from what has happened over these last few years. Yes. Wholeness. Yes. Healing yes. broken hearts, yes. restoration, forgiveness, release of bitterness, deliverance from fear, that mm. kind of stuff. Yes. And you wouldn't call it spectacular? Just supernatural move mm -hmm. of God's spirit that is what I've seen. And uh, so uh, mm -hmm. you say, well, what about it? Well, let's pray that it might Come right welcome. here to northern Minnesota, to this place, reviving. Holy Spirit, Lord, you're reviving this place and this state. Yes. And so that's what we pray, we pray for yes. and believe for. Yes. Renewal, reviving, mm -hmm. refreshing in our midst. Hunger and thirst after the things of God. Coming back to God. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Is there anything more there, Lord, you want? I'm just reminded with Thursday, we um, shared with Kayleen Strong's family in her memorial service here. And as I laid out the heaven books for the family, one of them is the little boy who died and visited heaven, and it, the title is Heaven is Real. But right now, what, what's coming to me is the message is all over the United States. It's just spreading. God is real. He's real to me personally. <laughs> That's good news. That's good news. The children... He's, he, he's real to us personally. Thank you, Lord, for that. And some may be, be in a vibed state. Maybe you don't have to be revived. Maybe you're vibed. But keep on living vibed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because when we're vibed and filled with the Spirit, see, revival, it, it's dealing with sin, self, you know, where the self has gotten in the way, where I'm not loving people. I'm focused on myself. But then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, filling us. And, oh, Lord, we pray we may be filled yes. every day, walking in your Spirit. Yes. A revival can be, begin right here, mm -hmm. right now. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to wait. Yes. It's just our walking in obedience. That's another word. Mm-hmm. 
Sometimes we think of obedience as negative. It's the greatest thing. Because when we're walking in obedience to God, it's going to bring life. Obedience to his word, it's going to bring life to us, not death. Hallelujah. So yesterday, Sue and I were here working with things to transition from the memorial service for, and then to today. And after she left, before I went home, uh, the sanctuary was dark, but I just thought, I'm going to come in in the dark. I'm going to kneel. And I went to the steps, and I just poured out my heart's cry to the Lord, my love for him, but just how I wanted more of him, but I wanted him to have all of me. And then a scripture came in my mind, and a reference, and I went and found a Bible. I went to the light there by those windows to look at it. That scripture had three of the words in it that I had just cried out to the Lord with. It was personal. It was like God was saying, Joyce, I, I saw you, I heard you, and my word here confirms that. So I thank the Lord for that. <laughs> I remember very specifically back in 1970. I mean, this is in our college. I mean, we had required chapel during the day, but the chapel was full every night there. For that, that season, time. during this time that it was happening. I mean, they didn't have to go at night, but they came. I mean, it was full of kids, worshiping God, sharing testimonies. But the thing God worked in my heart was the Lordship of Jesus yeah. Christ. Mm -hmm. I was okay with him being my Savior. But I was going to make the major decisions of my life because I knew better. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> But in 1970, that's what I decided. You call the shots, Lord. Yeah. Amen. You're going to do it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got to get out of this deception and delusion that I know better than you. And it's true. He yeah. loves us. And he's so personal. He's so personal for you. And he wants you to live a revived life, a revived the life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Mm -hmm. So we walk in obedience to him, mm -hmm. giving the Lordship, surrendering all, yes. being filled with his spirit. Amen. Yes. You can Thank start you, right Lord. in your life right now today. Yes. That reviving and revival. Hallelujah. Yes. Um, there was one other thing I needed to give announcement. Or could you do that? For Glennis, Glennis, our dear sister Glennis, has been through some things this last week. We just received this text this morning from Susan Rock. She said that Glennis's daughter, Tess, has asked Susan to share with our church family that Glennis will probably have need of people to help with 24-hour care at her home for a while when she gets back there, possibly late this next week. It's mostly to prevent her from falling again. Um, Susan is the contact for that, 553-2000. Uh, 
1840. We thank you, Lord, for the supply to fill that need in Jesus' name. We speak, Lord, your blessing, your strengthening in and upon our dear Glennis in Jesus' name. By the blood of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's stand up and we'll release our kids to their places and let's greet each other in the Lord. Before Dan comes up to share, Dan Motry is going to share, and Angie too, a little. All right, as you come on back, we're going to have a couple announcements here for you. Pastor Steve and I were just talking about the Jesus Revolution movie, um, and if you get a chance to see it, go see it. I haven't seen it. I remember little things from my childhood, but, but I want to really experience this and understand what the Jesus Revolution was all about, so I'm excited. The website, um, I believe, and social media have the links to the showtime, so check it out. Um, and just a few more announcements today. Um, just as a reminder, there's no meal today, but there's a lot of leftovers and things like that, so uh, check those out, and there's kind of the hot coffee hybrid afterwards, but no meal today. Um, in our normal announcements, just things coming up that we have Wednesdays, don't forget about Amplify Youth Ministries, uh, kids' activities at 6 o'clock, and so is men's group, and don't forget about Touchpoint on Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. with Pastor Stephen Joyce. Uh, update from Zach and Abby Bender on the Youth Group Fundraiser. Uh, thank you to all the individuals who donated to the Youth Group Update Fund. Uh, we were able to achieve, excuse me if I can read, achieve our goal before the uh, anticipated. Uh, thank you, Jesus. That's amazing that they got it done before it was really anticipated. And this is all due to the amazing generosity of the individuals who donated, so thank you. The Youth Group are incredibly blessed and thankful to have such an opportunity, a supportive body of believers behind them. We will keep everybody updated on the plans as they get established. Thank you, and God bless. Again, a couple other links if you want to check out social media, and I believe online, but the Earthquake Donation Fund, um, tens of thousands of people have lost their lives and are without homes. Um, again, Jesus Revolution, and check out our uh, archives on our website. Um, I wanted to dive in just as a continued lesson today um, in my own this has to do with the giving, of course. In my own devotions every morning, I needed more structure. I needed to understand better um, my own thoughts on, on giving. And as you've heard the last couple times that we've been together, I've been really speaking about Paul. And so I dove into the life and times of Paul and understanding his heart. And I wanted to know more about what kept him going each and every day. Um, I wanted to know... Uh, why he kept his system of belief in place or how he was able to do it despite all of the criticism, all the persecution. I mean, he was tortured. He was, I mean, there was so many things in his life he could have said, no, I'm done with this, and he refused to do so. And what did he see in his life that others could not see? So as a young tent maker devoted to God and the old law, as Saul, he wasn't a believer in Jesus Christ, but as Paul a man healed of his blindness. He devoted his life to God's work and concerned himself with the hearts of Jews and Gentiles alike. Paul was incredible. If you really look into it, you know, I didn't, I never really looked at the life of Paul before he was Paul very much. But the more I digest what the written word has said, the more I get understanding of, well, he wasn't just a tent maker. He was an avid believer in the old the Old Testament, the old ways, the old law. 
he was such, he convicted in and of himself and wanted to do God's work desperately, but he didn't see Jesus for Jesus when it was time. And he had to become blind and then healed for him to even see. And once he saw, it was like everything let loose. He couldn't stop. And his most important job, his commission, was to reach the hearts and minds of everybody on earth. That's what he wanted to do desperately. And he wasn't going to let anything stop him. So I actually found um, a, a study by Crosswalk um, online that talks about Paul's heart for other people. And the reason Paul had his heart for other people is because Jesus, of course, had his heart for other people. Looking to verses like Luke 12, 32 through 34, you can turn with me if you'd like, but again, Luke 12, 32 through 34, this is Jesus speaking. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom, sell your possessions, and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Here's the important part. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So in other words, when you invest in people, when you invest in the lives of others, when you put forth the word of God, your investment, your heart is with them. Your blessing is with them. God's blessing is with them. God wants to look at your heart and how you're giving. So over the next few weeks, when I get a chance to be up here, I'm going to be talking about um, kind of an outline, different aspects of why Paul thought it was important that we give. And not necessarily that we give or what we give, but how we do so and according to our hearts. Now, what Paul really looked for, and again, this is kind of off this outline that I'm looking at, Paul really desperately wanted the readers of everything he wrote to see Jesus' motivation, like I saw, like I said earlier, for giving. His love for God and for us, Jesus' compassion for our needs, and Jesus' desire to share what he has. In the next couple weeks, we're going to be talking about four, I believe it's four categories that I want to really dive into. Yep, of Paul, and here they are real quickly. First one is, God's blessings equip us to give to others. We talked about that last time we were together. The second one, <clears throat> that the act of giving is more important than the amount. The act of giving is more important than the amount. Paul also wanted us to know that having the right attitude about giving matters to God. And the fourth one I have, the habit of giving changes us for the better. So each time I'm going to get up, I'm going to dive into each one of those. I hate going topical necessarily, but I love talking about Paul and Paul's life, Paul's mission, Paul's commission, and more importantly, how Paul desperately wanted Jesus in the life and the hearts of the people. So today, for the first part of the lesson, we talked about a few of the pieces before. 2 Corinthians 9.8, we talked about that. Um, some of the commandments back in Timothy. And I want to read to you again, uh, Corinthians 9, 10 through 11. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply the increase you store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be right, generous in, on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So thanksgiving to God is the message I want to pre present today. That in our giving, we are giving thanks to God. He paid it all. He paid it all. He gave his only son. We can't even fathom that kind of giving. We can't even imagine what that would be like. This is a, in my mind, is actually kind of a feeble of attempt to even try to get there. But we have that obligation as Christians, as people who believe to go 
Praise God for what you've done. Praise God. Thank you for giving us your son. Thank you for taking away the sin in my life. So when we give, that's a representation of all of that. So this morning, I want to pray over the gift this morning. Pray over the tithes and offering. Again, the boxes are there. You can give online as well. Uh, but let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for your gifts, Father. As I said, we can't even compare to the gift you gave in your son, Jesus. Jesus, he, he stood up there taking every lash and every scorn and every spitting word at him. Sacrifice his life. You sacrificed your son so that we can be made whole, Father, because without him, we can't get to you. Father, we thank you in this, this idea of giving. We give this morning with a cheerful heart. We give this morning to bless others. More importantly, we give this morning to further your word, your mission, your commission, Father. We ask that you're with Pastor Steve and Joyce this, this morning in their words, Father, in their hearts and their minds this, this, this morning. We thank you for them. And again, we ask you in the blessing on this service in your amazing name. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Well, Dan and Angie Modry have been a very special part of our church family here for a long time, <laughs> several decades. And a few months ago, Angie took the lead in sharing words of testimony and the word with us. And today, Dan's going to take the lead in sharing. And he's been through some stuff here even recently. <laughs> and uh, so I'll we'll ask you to come up now and let's give him a Welcome here as they come out. All right, so um, to start out with, um, I'm going to have a song played. I was driving in my vehicle listening to Q107, well, I guess several times, and the, probably the third time I heard this song, God kind of convicted me like, this is exactly what you're trying to say today. So. Uh, it's Matthew West. It's called My Story, Your Glory. I'm sure some of you have heard it. If you haven't, you'll enjoy it. I, hope, I think there might be words up on the deal, but if we can get that ready to start, and then uh, when that's over, I'll come up and maybe we'll have fun today. Yeah. 
Amen. Well, if you don't know uh, who we are, um, this is my wife, Angie Modry, and I'm Dan Modry. I think most of you know us, but there's some probably new faces that don't. We've been residents of Bemidji for right around 38 years combined. Um, when I was asked, asked to share my testimony on November 23rd, little did I know the Lord would want to add to it. So I don't know, some of you probably know, but um, I almost had a heart attack. Um, anyway, on December 19th, I was uh, taken in for an angiogram, and I had four stints put in and two balloons, and I was like that close to going down to Abbott for a bypass. So actually, when I was in the uh, surgery, and they normally take about 45 minutes to an hour, it took them a little over two hours for me. I remember waking up, because they, they don't put you completely out, but I remember waking up and hearing the doctor talk to another doctor, and he says, well, what do you think? He says, should we stop and, and send him down for bypass? And the, the other doctor looked at my charts, and he says, well, this guy's 58 years old. He's really healthy. He says, I think we can fix him. So they continued on and ended up fixing me. So um, can, I, can I interject something? Yeah, you can interject, sure. Okay. So he was 99% blocked, all on the left side, which they call the widow maker. And so when the cardiologist had come out to discuss with me, and we've discussed this more recently, that um, he doesn't know all the details, but when he was in there and the cardiologist conferred with another one, the risk that he was at because of being 99% blocked of air flighting him somewhere, they weren't quite sure if he would make it. They didn't say he probably wouldn't but they weren't sure. And so that's why it was really immediate to take care of those four um, more critical areas. And then there's two still on the right side that are really um, small and minimal that they say may never amount to anything. And we already claim now they won't amount to anything. Yeah, the doctor said I probably owe my wife my life because she hauled me into the emergency room and and of course, then I got taken care of. But I'm just thankful that God protected me. I, I actually dealt with it for about two months. And I just thought, what's wrong with me? Am I out of shape, you know? What, what, there's something. And the day that I went into emergency, I told myself, driving to work in the morning, I said, I've got to get a doctor. Because my doctor moved to Texas, so I didn't have a doctor. I said, I've got to get a doctor. I said, there's something wrong with me. This felt like the Lord was impressing me that, you know, you need to go see a doctor. So anyway, I, I ended up seeing a doctor. Now I got a new doctor, so... And, and, and I got the best doctor in heaven. Yes, and we weren't able to get him into the doctor we wanted to, the internal medicine doctor, but after this happened, we got the one that we wanted that they said wasn't taking anybody. So thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, so I'm, I'm glad to be here today. And I know I've talked to some, some other people here in the church that have had our heart issues. Um, Art Glidden comes to mind, uh, sharing with him. And uh, I don't know if anybody else has, but... Uh, Man, if, if anybody out there, if you feel problems, tightness of chest, shortness of breath, sweating, don't mess around, get in. Um, one of the things I would like to say is I would like to say a thank you to the church, uh, to Pastor Stephen Joyce, the encouraging words that they sent, you know, when I was going through this, text messages, 
meals that were brought to us from, from neighbors and friends. So scriptures. I appreciate that. Scriptures. Um, I wanted to share um, a little definition of a church that a friend had sent me. Um, there we go. Modern technology, isn't it great? Back when I was young, I, I, I like to share stories. Back when I was young, like in senior in high school, my brother told me, and this was about 1981 area, somewhere in 1982, he said, Dan, he says, someday there's going to be computers in everybody's houses. I said, John, I said, you're crazy. That ain't going to happen. Well, I was scared of computers. You know, they were just kind of coming out, and they were big and cumbersome, and now we walk around with stuff that, wow. And I'll tell you what, modern technology probably saved my life. So they went through a little spot in my wrist here. You can hardly see it. It's almost completely healed up. But that's how they fixed me, just going through a little vein in my arm. Amazing technology. Anyway, so this is a definition of a, from a friend of a church. It says, a group of baptized believers in Jesus who commit to one another and identify together as a church, meeting together regularly and practicing patterns of biblical community characterized by worship, truth, fellowship, and edification under the oversight of biblical elders. Anyway, um, I just, when he sent, sent, sent that to me, I just thought I wanted to share that with you, just say thank you, and, and that's what we are. We're family here, right? And it's amazing how, you know, we need each other, and there may be other, you know, there's going to be times in our lives that we will need each other. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for worship today too also, Dane. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, God's not done with me yet, and he's not done with you yet. One of the things that he impressed upon me, I'm not done with you yet. So um, those of you who are here to hear my wife's testimony, uh, they get to hear mine today. It's only been 58 years, so hopefully I can keep it under four to five hours. All right, you can put the first picture up. So this is a start out with a little history. That's my family that I was born in. I'm the good-looking little one on my dad's lap there. Um, I was born in uh, 1964, July 20th. Uh, just to ask a question, does anybody know what's significant about July 27th, especially in the United States? Dan Woodward, I, I just, I bet you he knows it. What do you got? Uh, Amen. So the first man landed on the moon 1969 when I was five years old. And I remember that day because it was really special. I was five years old and my dad came home from work and he said, son, let's go outside. I got to show you something. So we walked outside, and he says, you see that out there? Luckily, it was a clear sky. Here's the big moon, you know. I said, yeah. And he says, remember this day, he said, when you were five years old, your birthday, the first man walked on the moon. And we kind of just stared up there and watched it. But anyway, just something that always stuck with me all these years. Um, of course, I was the last of 12 children. We were the even dozen, six boys and six girls. Um, so I had my oldest sister, Mary Ann. I had my oldest brother, Ray, or Ramey, we called him. And then uh, John, Jerry, he's with the striped shirt, Doug, Bonnie, Betty, Joe or Joey, Rosie, 
Donna, Julie, and Danny. My mom had a thing with people, the girls, and all of our, us ending in like the, you know, the IE sound, Danny, Joey, Ramey. Donna was the only one that was the oddball. She'd ever got the IE sound. Of course, with 12 kids, we were Catholics. You probably figured that out. One of the things that we used to say when we ate at a mealtime, when we'd get done praying, we'd say, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, whoever eats the fastest gets the most. A lot of times, by, and that's a true story, my mom would slap the, the guy's hands like, slow down, there's plenty for everybody here. But how she did it, I don't know. And you said that they tried to make sure that they had something for you because you weren't long enough to reach the middle of the table. <laughs> yeah, I got the scraps. No, I want to think about my mom. She was a big influence in my life, um, especially when it came to praying. She was a, a big prayer. She believed in prayer a lot. She taught me how to pray the Our Father, different prayers. Um, and of course, with 12 children, you could imagine you probably would be praying a lot, right? Um, I remember um, I was always asking her questions. You know, I would, one day I was asking, like, Mom, you know, where did God come from? You know, did he come from a rock? And if, if, where, where did the rock come from? You know, and I was always just trying to figure out things. And I, was always, I was always inquisitive and asking questions. And finally one day she says to me, she says, Danny, she says, you know, I don't have all the answers to your questions, but I can tell you this, if you believe in God and when you get to heaven, she said, all your answers are going to, all your questions will be answered. And I thought, wow, what a wise woman. That was the answer that I actually needed. So after that, I quit asking her questions pretty much. And I think she was kind of happy. <laughs> um, but I remember when I was little, I, I knew God existed and I just believed him in my heart. And I remember being out, and actually you can probably go to the next picture. I remember being out on the farm. This is our horse trigger, but I remember being out on the farm when I was a little kid, and I would always pretend that I was fighting the devil, you know, and I wanted to kill him because I knew he was bad. And so I just always remember that as a kid. And I always had, I always felt like I had God in my heart and he was important to me. Um, so this is a picture of my, my, myself on the thing. You can't actually see my brother who's over on the left. Uh, he, he was the closest brother in age to be 10 years old, and he was kind of, you know, I hate to say this, but he was kind of like an idol to me. He was, you know, a big, strong guy. He was a, a, a state wrestler, and anyway, very talented man. We always said that out of 12 kids, all the talent went to one guy. He's a chainsaw artist. He's a very, very talented man, very naturally talented. So, um, But one of the things I remember about Joe is, when I was younger, he, he told me one time, he says, Dan, he says, you know, he says, you don't work to live, you live to work. And I was like, that doesn't really make sense to me. You know, at a young age, I didn't quite think of it. And as I got older, I realized, you know, there's a lot of truth in that. And so anyway, uh, uh, Haggai 2.4, do we have that one, that verse up there? Can't remember if we... If we could put that up, it says, But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. There should be more. Be strong, Joshua, son of Zodak, and high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Right? 
So work is important, and I always tell people, you know, I'm a lot like my father, God, because my job, my work that I have is six days a week. Just like God, it took him six days to create creation, right? On the seventh day, he rested. So I, I feel like I resemble my father. Um, there's times in my life that I, I, I kind of call God moments, and some of them might be a little strange to you, but in that picture with the horse, you know, we always used to gather out there at times in the, in the yard. And I remember my oldest brother, Ray, he was 18 years older than me, so he joined the Marines, and really I never knew who he was. He was gone when I was born. And, and, and so anyway, he had come home one time, and I remember he walked into the house, like, you know, just kind of walked in, and I don't think I was in school yet, maybe, or maybe it might have been the summertime, but I was the only one home with Mom, and I remember I was sitting at the table, and here comes this guy, and he walks right in the house, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know who he was. I took off running. I said, Mom, Mom, there's a burglar in the house. And she comes running out. She says, that's no burglar. She said, that's your brother Ray. I said, oh, I got another one? <laughs> so one of the things that happened, I got to be kind of buddies with him. I, 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 he, was, he was like a, a new friend to me when I was younger, my brother Ray. And they had went on a fishing trip. Of course, I didn't get to go. I was too small. But he came, they came home. We were sitting out in that yard. And uh, I, I went up to him. I said, hey, Brother Ray, how was fishing? You know, and he said, oh, it was great. And he picks me up. You know, and I'm probably five, six years old. And he you know, kind of tosses me up how, how you toss a kid up. You know, I probably went you know, a couple inches, right? So he did that like three times. And all of a sudden, about the fourth time he did it, all of a sudden, I took off. And I started sailing up in the sky. And I mean, I'm talking, I went over our telephone wire that came from the telephone post to the house, which was over 30 feet high. And I thought, man, I'm going to heaven. I thought the Lord was sucking me right up. And I got past the wire and finally I stopped and I turned and I came head first down. And I, like I said, I had a big family, right? So they're all in a circle. My, my two other brothers, John and Jerry, who were the next oldest boys, each grabbed an ankle, and my head missed the ground by that much. So another time that God watched over me. But just a, just a, you know, it's one of the, it was one of those things that you can't quite explain. You know, I remember having some friends over that were there too, and, and it was, there was a gal that was my age, and she ran up to Ray, and she said, do that to me, do that to me. Well, you know, he, he couldn't do it. He threw her up about nine, ten times, and she went about six, six to eight inches high. So, so I don't know. But anyway, the Lord protected me, thankfully. Um, the next time I got protected, I, I actually kind of blocked this out of my mind. Um, I was about eight or nine years old, and in our, in our town where I grew up, which was Olivia, Minnesota, we never had a swimming pool. So we, we wanted to, my mom wanted us to learn how to swim. So she sent us on a bus to go to Renville to the, to the pool to learn how to swim. And I think it was, if I remember right, the second day of, of lessons. And I rem this, this came back to me uh, when I was asked to first share my testimony years ago. And the, the Lord reminded me of this. I had kind of blocked it out of my, my, uh, my mind. But now my, my, my remembrance of it is so vivid and so clear. So what happened was the second day of, of class, the, the coach lined us up you know, the teacher lined us up on the edge of the pool, and he said, jump in and swim to the other side. I'll meet you over there. 
Well, I was always taught you do what you were told, right? So, of course, my sister was with us, too, and we jumped in, and she kind of knew how to dog paddle, but I didn't know how to swim. But I was, like, pushing myself off the bottom in the deep, you know, and I was working and getting out further and further, and finally I got to the, to the deep part, and I, I couldn't reach the bottom anymore, and I, I fighting and fighting, and finally I went down to the bottom of probably 12 feet of water, right? And I'm standing on the bottom of the pool. And all of a sudden, I couldn't hold my breath anymore. I drowned. And I remember vividly when, when God brought this to my memory, I saw myself, I went up in the sky, and I looked down and I could see myself standing in the bottom of the pool. And the next thing I know, uh, Dave Cahoot, who was actually a distant cousin of mine, he was one of the biggest boys there. And when he jumped in, he swam across real fast because he knew how to swim. And I remember watching him come out of the, I saw him come out of the edge and he was walking back and he looked and he saw me. And the next thing he knew, he just jumped right in the pool. He dove in and he swam down, he grabbed me and he brought me to the edge of the pool. And I'm, I'm seeing this all. And all of a sudden, everybody gathers. The teacher comes running over. There's panic all over. Oh, you know. And so they, 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 they flop me on the, side of the pool on the cement, you know, and all of a sudden they start doing mouth-to-mouth -mouth and pushing on my heart and working on me, right? And I'm just watching this the whole time. From up, I don't know, I felt like I was maybe 20 feet up, maybe not even that high. And I had, I had no worries, no pain, no, you know, I, I had a peace. Like, if this is it, this is it. And I felt like I was going to heaven because I was up in the air, you know? But all of a sudden, I was like, I felt something say, you got to go back. And so all of a sudden, I went, poof, right back in my body and <coughs> started spitting up, coughing up water, right? And physically, I was just shaking and, 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 and discolored. And my sister was bawling. She was weeping. And, and we went over to the side of the pool area and laid there. And they put towels over me. And try to make a long story short, I lived. And my, when we got home, my, my, my uh, sister told my mom what happened. And my mom called the teacher and, and didn't have very kind words for him and, of course, never sent me back to swimming lessons. But thankfully, I learned how to swim later when our hometown got a pool and my buddies taught me how to swim. So anyway, but God, God had plans for me even at, at that age there. Um, <clears throat> so then as I got a little bit older, cancer crept into our family, and I ended up losing my dad at 11 years old, and then nine months later, I lost my mother from cancer also. So now I'm, I, I'm 11 years old. I don't have any parents. And uh, thankfully, I had a big family, right? Somebody to take care of me. So I moved in with a, a, a brother for about a year, and then, we, then I moved back in with my sister and brother-in-law because my oldest, or my youngest sister that was closest to aging me, we were both still in high school. We wanted to live together, so they finally bought a house. They lived in a little trailer house, so they didn't have room for me at first. And then I was able to, to go through school and stuff with my closest sister in age and all kind of lived together. But thankful that I had you know, older siblings to take care of me. Um, so even, even 
Worse than that, all of a sudden, the, the sister and brother that I lived with, my sister died at 35. She got leukemia. And then my brother, who I lived with, he died at 45 from carcinoma stomach cancer. So I lost two more people in my family from cancer. But I remember one time years ago when we were first married after, after the, my last um, brother died, we were at a, uh, a retreat. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, for, a, for a marriage retreat. And we got prayed, at, prayed for, and one of the guys that was praying, he just felt like, you know what, I believe there's cancer in your family and there's young death in your family, and I'm going to break it. We're going to break it today. And we prayed and prayed and prayed, and I believe that cancer has been broke out. It's been 30, it'll be 30 years this year that we haven't had anybody pass away from cancer. So I'm very thankful for that. Actually, we already had somebody who had prayed with us about um, cancer and that that had been broken. Yeah. But this guy, and this was an awakening for us, is he said, what I see is the spirit of young death. Yes. And so that was new to us, and we were yep. thankful. You know, God works through people. Um, one of the things I, I do want to say is that, you know, life is short. Those who've lost loved ones, we all know that, right? And even as we get older, we realize that. Some of the youth probably don't quite understand that because I know I didn't when I was a teenager. You know, you think maybe you're going to live forever or you think, oh, man, that guy, he's 50 years old. He's old. Well, next thing you know, you're there. One of the things that James 4.14 says, is, there, is that on there? You can put James 4.14. says, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Is there more or is that it? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So the word tells us we're a mist, right? Our life is like that. It's short. I'm kind of thankful for that because, you know what, I'm going to see my parents and my brothers and sisters pretty soon. We're going to see our loved ones that passed on very soon. It's going to be quicker than you think. And, and as you age, you kind of realize that. But, you know, God works through people. He's had people in my life that have been, able, been there for me. One of the stories that I remember when I have a sister, Bonnie, and she had some, she was sick and not doing good. She's had some mental illness, actually. But I remember when my mom was alive, she says, Dan, she says, we're going to go take Bonnie to the doctor. She says, can you come with me and watch the kids? They had two, two babies at the time. I said, sure, Mom. So we went over there, and I remember when we got there, Bonnie was like, Mom, I'm not going to the doctor. You know, the only one that can cure me is, is God. And, and, and I, I, I just, I'm not going to go to the doctor. They can't do nothing for me. I, only God can heal me, you know. And my mom says, sat her down. I remember sitting her down on the couch, and she said, Bonnie, you're right. She says, God can heal you. But do you know how God works sometimes, she said? Through people. God made doctors. And doctors can help you. And it was like the light switch went on. And my sister, and she says, well, you're right, Mom. She said, okay, I'll go to the doctor. So anyway, they went to the doctor. But... It's important to us to remember that. That's a lot of times how God works, right? We talked about miracles today a lot of times, right? A lot of times, sometimes we miss them from people that we 
are around that have done things for us or, or, or helped us, whatever it is, right? Um, so now you can put up the next picture. One of the things that um, I was fortunate to have in my life, this is a camping picture with, um, with the guy on the, well, I don't know what side it would be for you guys. I guess it would be on your left over here is my best friend from high school. His name is Paul Silver, a.k.a. Sly. So he was born a few days after I was, the same year, of course. The story was that when my, my mom was leaving the hospital, his mom was coming in with him, with him. And also we had sisters that were the same age that were good friends, and they used to bring us together when we were like one years old little kids, and we'd play together, which we didn't even know. But we became best friends at at four years old when we went to Head Start. I don't forget, I remember Head Start, but I went to Head Start when I was four years old. I always said I got an extra year of education than most people. <laughs> so anyway, um, Paul was a great friend of mine. His mom had 11 kids. He was the youngest of 11. So his mom used to call me her sixth son when I would go over and, and, and spend time there. She said, well, you're going to be my sixth son after, of course, even my parents died became more important. Um, but anyway, his mom was named Rosella. My, not, my mom was named Rose. We had a lot of things in common. One of the things that um, my best friend uh, actually was very instrumental, his family, in, in, in leading me to the Lord. He had some sisters that had become born again, spirit-filled, um, when he, was, when he was younger, which he never shared this story with me until I was older, which I, I, I didn't quite realize why he wouldn't share it with me. But one time he had, he had burned his, his arm right here really bad. Like, it was blistering and everything. I mean, he just, and he was crying, right? And he was younger, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, something like that. And his sisters were home, and they, they you know, knew that he burned himself really bad, and they says, hey, Paul, he said, can we pray for you? You know, we want to pray for you. We believe God can heal you. And he said, yeah, sure, you know. I mean, he didn't really know. Put his arm out, and his sister started praying for him, and he said he was looking down at his arm in this spot that was probably that big, he said, you know. All of a sudden, he said he watched it disappear, and it was healed instantly. And he never shared that story with me until we were quite older adults. And I asked him, well, why didn't you ever tell me that story? He says, well, he said, I didn't think you'd believe me. So sometimes people hold back things because they don't think people will believe them or maybe they're fearful. Um, one, uh, I, I don't think I'll share that one. I'll move on. Um, I, people always say that, you know, I found the Lord, right? I found the Lord. I've heard that all my life, but I sometimes I think about that and I think, you know, I think the Lord found me. And I remember when I was the summer of my eighth grade year, I got invited to a FCA. I don't know if anybody's heard that's Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It was a mini retreat for, for junior high kids to introduce them to FCA to try to get them involved during high school. And so, yeah, I, I said, yeah, I'd love to go, you know. So me and my best friend, we got on a bus and we went to this retreat and, and it was on, at a lake and we played games and sports and different things and then in the evening we had a uh, preacher 
and he preached the word and, of course, asked us to, to accept Christ, and, which I felt like I did. And um, he kind of he had everybody recite, you know, like the Lord's Prayer, the, the Lord's Prayer about accepting him. And so most of us did, I think, that, that night. But the time that really, that I remember was when we were driving home in the bus, I felt like I had a personal encounter with Christ and, he, and, I, and that I invited him into my heart in a true and more real way than just repeating some kind of words. And that was the day that I really felt like I had Christ as my, not only my Savior and my Lord, but my friend. And that he was there and then I could talk to him whenever, whenever I wanted to. And so I began a relationship with him. One of the things in FCA, just to, that we had, we, had, we had these really, really strange workout sessions that when we get together and we were going to play sports, we had to do these calisthenics. And I remember this, this guy, he, he kind of got me scared. He said, okay, guys, we're going to do some deep calisthenics today. I'm like, oh, man, I wonder what we're going to do, you know, push-ups. He said, okay, first one, eye openers. So we did some eye openers. Then the second one, he said, well, let's do some finger push-ups. So we did some finger push-ups. So anyway, we had a lot of fun. Um, so as high school came around, I started feeling like there wasn't a lot of other Christians around. My best friend was... I knew he was a Christian and that we both accepted Christ and, you know, but he wasn't always there, you know, all the time. And I started feeling pressure, peer pressure from, from people at school. You know, sometimes they'd say, ah, I remember one of my co-classmates saying to a bunch of other ones, yeah, this, this, this kid here, he said, he's, he's, he's like godly, you know, he doesn't even swear. You know, he, he's just a, a clean-cut kid, you know. And I just felt like, you know, then they were kind of laughing and snickering at me, you know. And so as time went on, and I'd like to say something to the youth here, is that peer pressure is real. And I finally gave in to peer pressure when I was a senior in high school, right? My uh, best friend, whose picture was up there, he actually got cancer also. So he's fine now, still alive, thankfully. But uh, he, he got cancer my senior year, so he was gone most of my senior year. He actually wasn't even in really school. I don't even know how he graduated, but he did. But God protected him. God healed him. But without him being there, I, I, I started giving in to peer pressure. I started drinking. I even did marijuana for a while. I got really lost. And I, I, I was convicted and I just, I knew that I wasn't living for the Lord. But it's like I couldn't help it. I kept falling and regressing, backsliding probably people's heard of that, right? So then I graduated from high school, and I thought, you know, I should go to a Christian college. That'll straighten me out. But that wasn't God's choice. That was my choice. I remember talking to a friend in high school, 
And I asked him, I said, where are you going to college? And he said, Bemidji State University. And as soon as he said that, it was like that, that name, Bemidji, just penetrated me. And I was like, oh, I felt something, you know, like, man, I should go there. But I didn't. I said, no, I'm going to go to a Christian college. Maybe I'll get straightened out. So I did. I got enrolled in a Christian college in the cities. And things were great during the week. Go to chapel. Pastor was talking about chapel when you were in school. We are going to chapel every day, right? Praising the Lord. And I'd go home on weekends. I'd drive home. It's about 90 miles away from my hometown. So I'd drive home every weekend. Because that was where the party was, right? So then I'd drink. Get drunk at times. Go back to school next week, same thing. So this pattern went on for weeks. And one of the things that, one of the verses that was real important to me at that time was Hebrews 12, 2. We have that one too. I'll throw that up quick. Hebrews 12, 2. It says, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. And I held on to that. And I, I want to do a little demonstration. I need a volunteer to come up here to play Jesus. Don't run all at once. I know the youth have probably seen this before. Anybody? Want to stretch your legs? Uh, yay, leader, way to go, yeah. Zach. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Zach. So, I'm not sure where we want to put you here, but maybe somewhere right up here, facing them. Pick this up. So I'm going to juggle, and I'm going to have Zach represent Jesus, and I'm going to try to keep my eyes fixed on him and juggle at the same time and not look at the balls, right? So normally, when, what's that? Sideways a little bit? Sure. You can go up here. I might, might need a little bit more room here. All right. Well, yeah, this should be fine. A little more. There we go. Good? Can you see? All right. So you're going to have to talk loud. I'm going to ask you a question in a minute. Okay, ready? Okay, who am I looking at? You are the balls. I'm looking at you, ain't I? Yep. So let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. And when we do that, he helps us juggle life. All right. So Zach could tell that I was looking at him. Thank you. Just important that we do that. That we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because he'll help you with your life, right? Um, you can put up the next picture. So thankfully, I met a wonderful woman. Uh, this is my, at the time, was my future wife, I guess. And when I first saw her, I knew I was going to marry her. It was another one of those God moments. And uh, I guess the rest is history, but I remember the first time I saw her, I said, Mom, she looks like an angel. And it was like God said, that's going to be your wife someday. And I didn't even know her. just saw her across the auditorium in school. Anyway, she's my high school sweetheart. She became my best friend and my helpmate. 
And she really helped me see that I was going down a dangerous road when I was at college and doing the things that I was doing. I was crying out for help. So I quit college because things were just, I knew I couldn't go through this anymore. And actually, uh, James 4.8, I don't think I have that one on here, do I? James 4.8, I just want to read that real quick. It says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So that's, what I, that's where I was. I was double-minded, right? One, one week, one day I'm living for the Lord, the next I'm not. So when I quit school, I went back home, and I got a job. And I actually got to work at the place that my dad worked at and my, a lot of my actual siblings worked at. Uh, it was called Trojan Seed Company. I don't know if some of you have heard that, but at one time it was the second largest corn producer in the world. Hubert H. Humphrey and Walter Mondale used to come out, fly out every year during the corn days. We had tractor poles and big, huge event. We bust people from town. I remember shaking Walter Mondale and Hubert Humphrey, Humphrey's hand when I was a little kid. If anybody doesn't know them, they were our, our um, senators, right? Our senators from Minnesota. And, and Walter Mondale was vice president at one time, right? And ran for president. Yep. Yep, governor. So anyway, A few months later, after I went back home, the plant that I was working at actually shut down. And our town, Olivia, has kind of had some bad things. That was one of the bad things, was this plant shut down. People lost their money. Matter of fact, the president of the company shot his dog and hung himself in the place, that, in, the, in the building. And my brother actually found him because he was so depressed that the place went, you know, belly up. But anyway, um, I got to work there, and my, 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 uh, my father got to work there, worked there after he got out of farming, kind of a long story, but it was, I'm just glad that I got to experience that. Um, so I was continuing to cry out to God. It's like, wow, now I don't have a job. Where am I? What's going on? So one of my sisters, actually Donna, the one that doesn't end in the IE sound, invited me to a church service. She was newly born again and spirit-filled. And I remember the, day, the, the night before was a Saturday night, and I, I, I told her that I'd come to their, their church, and I was praying and seeking God, and I'm like, God, if there's something, something you have for me, I said, I, I want it. I really want it. And so, of course... Sunday morning came, I went to church, and at the end of the service, they basically, it wasn't a very big church, it was probably, I don't know, 10 people maybe. They asked me, hey Dan, have you ever received Christ as your Savior and Lord? I said, yes. They said, well, have you ever received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I said, no. And they said, do you want to receive it? I said, yes. Like right away, it just came out of my mouth, and I went up front, I just walked, walked right up front, raised my hands, and pastor laid, laid hands on me, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoken tongues. And I remember the power of the Lord really hitting me. 
And I remember for honestly, for two weeks straight after that point, I felt like my feet never touched the ground when I was walking. I don't know if anybody's had that experience, but it was like, wow, you know, this is awesome. I don't even feel my feet touching the ground. So anyway, um, Matthew 6.33, you could put that up. But that power that he gives us that the word tells us about is very important. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So that was another verse that was very key to me is we got to, I need to seek first the kingdom of God. I need to seek him, right? He says, seek me and I will be found. First Chronicles tells us that, right? That if you seek him, he will be found. We can find him, but we got to do something, right? We got to seek him. So another God moment after um, I got laid off, I went to work for a new grocery store that opened up in our town. I had done that in high school. And all of a sudden, I ran into the friend that told me that he was going to go to Bemidji State's mother. I ran into his mother. And I said, hey, how's Dan doing in Bemidji? And we were talking. And, and he, she said, oh, yeah, he really liked it up there, all the lakes and trees. And I said, oh, good. I said, I'm thinking about transferring there next year. And she says, well, I got a bad news for you. He's, he moved, and he's out in in uh, Yellowstone National Park working. Well, his goal when he was a senior, he shared with me was that he wanted to be a park ranger for one of the you know, national parks in the United States. And so he was going to, uh, going after his goal. But I just felt like, you know what? I, I, I just feel like I need to go to Bemidji. And so I, I, I applied, transferred up here, got accepted. And I was actually going to wrestle, and they were going to give me a scholarship. And I remember a couple of weeks before college was going to start, I got a phone call, and they said, hey, Dan, this is so-and-so from Bemidji State. The wrestling program has dropped. We can't give you a scholarship anymore. And I said, oh, man, you've got to be kidding me. And they go, yeah, does, is, is that going to change your mind about coming up to Bemidji? I said, yeah, probably. And she says, well, you know, you can get a petition going, and, and, and you can try to get people to... To, to, to get the college to reinstate it. And I said, well, I'm only a freshman. I don't, I don't think I can do that. And I said, thanks for calling by. And I just hung up, you know, and I was just frustrated, like, well, what's going on here? You know, I thought this is where I was supposed to go. Well, then I realized that it was where I was supposed to go, that I, I finally started listening to that still small voice that he wanted me to come to Bemidji. Um, so once I got up to Bemidji as a freshman, I had got in the dorms, actually, and I had a roommate. And the roommate that I had was kind of a partier. And I was like, oh, boy, this ain't good. You know, God set me free from this. And uh, anyway, I, I really started praying in the Spirit, and I really started seeking the Lord. I remember one, one night in particular, I was really praying and just really seeking the Lord. And I remember he walked in late at night. It was probably about 10, 1030 at night. And he walked into the room and He's like, looks at me, goes, oh, he said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm just praying. And he said, oh, man, he says, I thought you were, you were stoned or you were high, you know. And I said, yeah, I said, I am. I'm high on, I'm high on Jesus Christ. 
And, you know, and I could just, I felt like I could, I was just radiating the Lord. And he started shaking. He goes, okay, well, I'm leaving. And he, out of the room, he left. And basically, I never saw him after that. He ended up quitting school and leaving. So I, I really, really wanted to be totally set free. And I remember driving back to my hometown. Uh, and it's about a four-hour drive. And I remember praying in the spirit all the way down there. And they had a, a revival meeting starting to go on. See, we had some of that in the 80s, too. And it was called the Coop. And so we went to this place called the Coop. It was a little old chicken coop place that they had, you know, band playing in there. And the Holy Spirit, hey, guess what? Christ was born in a manger, right? Revival can come in a chicken coop. And that's where God was. And this is the so, place where my dad thought was a cult, if you remember me sharing. <laughs> so anyway, I drove, I drove down one day, uh, one weekend after school, and they had a, a meeting the next day. And and I was, it was the same night, excuse me. And anyway, I just felt like, man, I really need you, God. I really need you. I just still crying out. And so I drove down to there and, and we had worship and the pastor preached his message and it was really good. And, and the pastor's walking back and forth like this. And he's saying, you know, there's somebody here, somebody here, you know, maybe 19, 20 years old. There's a young man here that, that, that God's telling me is he hears you. And he wants to know that he wants to set you totally free tonight. And I'm telling you, man, my hands were on fire. I was shaken inside. I knew it was me, but I'm like, I'm not getting up in front of these people. No way. So I'm wrestling internally with this, right? Like, I, I don't want to get embarrassed here. I can't, it can't be me. I don't want to tell people that I need help. So I fought it and fought it and fought it. And finally, he prayed for a couple other more people, and he started walking back and forth. And he said, Dan, come up here. Never met the guy, didn't know him. He didn't know my name, right? As soon as he said, Dan, come up here, boom, I jumped up, ran up front. I raised my hands, and he says, you want to know how I knew your name? I said, no, sir, I know how you knew my name. I said, God revealed it to you. He said, that's exactly right. He said, God has heard your cry. And anyway, he prayed for me, and I was slain in the Spirit for the first time, and I was totally set free and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, thank you, Lord. So you can put the next picture up there. So I married my best friend, of course. Here she is. Um... She's definitely my best friend in my Proverbs 31 woman. Um, I have a, a few deficiencies in my life. One thing I, I have is I was born colorblind. So I'm really bad. I can't see colors very good. So not only did I gain a, a, a wife and a helpmate, but I also gained another mom and dad. Her mom and dad became like my second parents, and they still are today. Her, her mother's gone, but her dad's still alive. And I was just visiting him the other day by myself. I had to bring him something. And one of the gals that's there at, at, the, at the place that he says, it's kind of like a nursing home. He says, oh, you know, th this your dad? I said, no. I said, well, he, he is kind of my dad. He's my, he's my father-in-law, but he, I call him my dad. And he says, well, he seems like he was a predominant man in his day and, and, and stuff like that and, and, and really smart. And I said, he's definitely smart. I said, he... I said, I'll, I'll share a story with you real quick. I said, before I go, I said, I remember when I was 
I was starting to date Angie, and he was, a, he was actually a mechanic to start with. He ended up, he's a car dealer also, by the way, which is another story in itself. Angie thought, I'm never marrying a car dealer. Well, she got one. So I'm a car dealer. Anyway. But you weren't the owner. What's that? No, I wasn't the, the owner. owner. No, no. Um, so I, I said to this lady, I said, you know, I said one time I remember I had my lights start flashing on my car when I was in, in high school. And they were flashing off and on during the dark. And oh, it was terrible. And I thought, okay, I can fix it. So I, I said, it's got to be the dimmer switch. And back in those days, some of us that are older remember the, the little clicker on the floor to shut the dimmer switch off, remember, to brighten dims. So I replaced the dimmer switch. And oh, the next night I was out driving around, all these lights started flashing on and off. So I, the next day I pulled into the dealership where her dad worked, and I says, hey, he came up to me, he says, what are you doing? I said, well, Eldon, I said, Here, here's my problem. I, I said, I replaced the dimmer switch, and then my lights are still flashing on and off. He says, well, that's not the problem. I said, oh, what is it? He says, well, it's your actual light switch. You need a new light switch. And so anyway, I went and got a light switch, put it in, and my lights worked ever since. So he was a very smart and intelligent guy, and I definitely gained another mom and dad there. Do you, want to, do you want to share anything more about that? Just, just when you were talking about who I am in Call your life. Mind. So, you know, I tend to put his clothes together because he just really can't see what he's wearing. Um, and so if I'm ever gone for a weekend, I kind of make sure there's kind of groupings and, and things. And, and he's learned kind of through the years, maybe we've bought easier things to work. I need granimals. You ever heard of granimals? Granimals? Remember granimals way back when? You match the lion to the lion and the tiger to... Anyway. But so I called him one day at work as I'm looking in the hallway and I'm like, no, he couldn't have. I called him and I said, honey, look down at your feet. Okay? What am I looking at? I your shoes? Do you notice anything? Yeah, I have shoes on. And I said, what color are they? And he goes, black. Well, maybe brown. I said, well, I think by what's sitting here in the hallway, you have one black and one brown on, correct? Yeah, but that's not a big deal. I said, Dan, one is a lace-up and one is a slip-on. How... I understand the color thing, but I'm like, how did you slide your foot in one and tie up the other and not get it? And then his owner, he said to, he looked at him one time, he goes, oh my gosh, Dan, is Angie gone for the weekend or what? And he goes, yeah, go home and change. And he said, here's what you need to look for, okay? Can you do that? And Dan goes, yeah, I'll try. Yeah. I remember when I figured out they were both the two different shoes. I was so embarrassed. I flew out of work and went home as fast as I could and got the right shoes. Anyway. That blew me away. Yeah. So God has blessed us with uh, two beautiful children. So you can put up the first picture of the... I think I missed something, didn't I? We got to win. Oh, go to, go to number 11. Sorry about that, before I do that. That's Alicia. Real, real quick, we'll just go to number 11. So I did graduate from college, first of 12 kids in my family. 
uh, which is kind of neat. I actually had a brother that went back to school after I graduated that was, was 16 years older than I as I finally got his degree. I had two brothers that had quit, three brothers that had quit school that were, some of them were within one quarter of graduation and quit school. So it was kind of nice that they encouraged them to go back that, you know what, college is always there. You can always go back. You're never too old. Look at that 80s hair. Okay, so now you can go to the, you can go to the next page. So we had uh, our first child. A um, little story about her. This is Alicia Ray. I had a dream before she was born that I've got a birthmark on my head right here. I was born with that. And by the way, my mom told me that she's going to know why I'm in heaven because of that. So I'm pretty proud of it, actually. Anyway, I had a dream that my firstborn was going to have a birthmark. And so she ended up, long story short, she, be, she was cesarean section, so the doctor had to pull her out, you know, cut her she, out. No, she was, and, she was breech. Well, yeah, but she was born cesarean, cut, you know. Anyway, so when she was born, I got to spend the first hour with the nurse, you know, and, I, and of course, I'm looking her over and checking her all out, and I'm all excited, you know, I got my first baby, and, and the nurse kind of walked away to grab something, and I, I, says, I said, oh, I said, hey, I found her birthmark. It's on her leg. I said, she would have had it up here, but she was born breech. So that's why she had to be. And, and, and the nurse came over. She said, ah. She says, that's not no birthmark. She says, that's just, you know, something from birth. I'll, I'll, get, a, I'll get a wet one, and we'll get it off of there. So she got a wet one, and she starts wiping it, and it wouldn't disappear. She starts wiping it, and it wouldn't disappear. And finally, she said, oh, it is a birthmark. She said, how did you know? I said, well, God told me in a dream. And she was like shaking her head. She couldn't believe it. So anyway. Pretty neat little story about her and the birth. Um, second picture. So that was our first bundle of joy. Second bundle of joy was Abby Rose Modry. Little Ellie and up there. She, she, she was going to be Abby Lee. And when she was born, and she, I, I kind of neat, I got to see a cesarean birth, and then she was born natural. So I got to see two, two different kinds of births, which is pretty neat. So when she was born and she came out, I said, oh, honey. She had this big fluffy head of hair, you know, and Alicia was born bald. And I says, oh, honey, I said, she reminds me of my mom. I said, can we put, can we change your middle name to Rose? And Angie says, oh, that sounds great. So she became Abby Rose. So a um, little story about her. So one of the things after we had, had been in Bemidji for quite a while, um, you know, God, God has used me in, in, in so many ways that uh, I'm going to try to speed it up here. I know it's getting late, but uh, I've been chairman of the board at Hartman Christian Academy. Totally a God thing. Um, I wasn't even at the meeting to get voted to be on the board. <laughs> Next day, I get a call from Paul Gazelka. Everybody knows who Paul Gazelka is. Hey, Dan, we nominated you and you were elected to be on the board. If you decide you want to show up, we got a meeting on Monday night. Well, God convicted me, and I ended up going, and I got to see God work many things there while I was there, just pretty amazing stuff. A, a building was built there, all volunteer. It was nothing to do with me. It was all God. Funny how sometimes, and especially as, as we get older, we look back, and we can say, wow, we can see God. We can see God, right, in those areas that he was there, that he took care of us and watched over us. I remember while I was preparing for this, I went back and I was looking for pictures and going through my photo albums, some old photo albums. And I want to encourage you, if you ever want to see what God has done in your life and how good he is, go look at some of your old pictures. 
I mean, it's awesome, right? I mean, God has done, now we can just pull out our phone and say, we can look through there. But just amazing to see what God has brought you through and done for you, right? And provided for you with family and friends and everything. Um, so you can go to the next one. This is my, our current, we got four grandchildren now. So again, we're, we're very blessed. Very, very blessed. We're thankful to God for that. That's Avalyn, Jack, Ellie, and yep. Garen. Yep. So a couple, a couple more quick things here. You know, I told you that I had some God moments in my life. I've heard the still small voice in my life, but I just want to share a few more with you. I got a sister. My dad was a twin, and his twin brother actually died at 45 of a massive heart attack. But if you know anything about twins, it usually skips a generation. So my dad couldn't have twins. None of his kids had twins, or his brothers and sisters, excuse me, had twins. So I figured, you know what? There's got to be somebody in our family that's going to have twins. And my sister Rosie was pregnant. She was doing about a week or so, and she was huge. And so I was, I don't know, 19, 20 years old, maybe 18, can't remember how old it was, but I was younger. I said, hey, Rosie, can I feel your stomach? I've never felt a pregnant girl's stomach. She said, sure. I said, okay. So I put both of my hands on her, and all of a sudden, boom, boom. I felt a kick on the top and a kick on the bottom, and I backed up. I said, Rosie, you're having twins. She says, I'm not having twins. The doctors would know that. I guess who got the first call? Me. My brother-in-law heard that. So after they had their twin boys, he calls me up. He says, hey, this is your brother-in-law, Steve. I said, hey, Steve, what's going on? He says, there's two of them. I said, congratulations. He said, I had to call you first because I remember you predicted it. The doctors didn't even know. My sister actually went into shock for a few weeks because she got done delivering the first one. The doctor says, honey, Rosie, you got another one. You got to get ready. You got to deliver another one. There's twins. She couldn't believe it. She also wasn't very happy that you thought she was that big. Uh, I don't know. So <laughs> another little story is we were playing cards with some friends of ours years ago, and they had had one child already, and we were playing cards, and and I looked at this gal, and, and for some reason, I felt that she had a glow that she was pregnant. And not, you know, not, being a man and not sometimes thinking, I, says, I said, Sandy, her name was Sandy, I said, Sandy, are you pregnant? And I got a mm, kick underneath the table from my wife. And she says, what do you mean? She says, you know, I know I'm not pregnant. She says, I... I have a hard time getting pregnant. Matter of fact, to get their first child, they had to do some, what they had to do some kind of, they had to get help, <laughs> right? They had to get help. So anyway, about a, about a week goes by and I'm at work and the phone rings at work and I get this call and it's this gal, Sandy. And she says, Dan, she said, this is Sandy. I said, hi, Sandy. She said, don't tell my husband, but I had to call you first. She said, it's true. I'm pregnant. How did you know? I said, I don't know. I just felt goal that day from you. I just, just for some reason, it just came out of me. And anyway, she was pregnant and had their second child. It was beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. I could have died and yeah. crawled in a hole. I wanted to run out of the house, like right there. Like, how could you say that? So I remember when our first grandchild was born, it was kind of a 
stressful day. They were going to have a home birth and ended up bringing her in and having a cesarean section. And she was, things were, were, were kind of complicated, but thankfully she still, she was alive and born alive. But when we got to see my first grandchild, after she was born, we, we were fortunately there when they brought her by the room and they let us look at her. And I mean, I don't know, it was something about it. it was like the next generation. It just touched my heart. And so after all the commotion and everything, the girls and all of them, they said, hey, Dan, can you run and you know, pick up some stuff? You know, because we weren't expected in the hospital. So I, I was going to be the errand boy, go run some errands. And, and, and so I left the hospital room and you know, I just got this image of this beautiful baby, you know, born, just born, and, and all the things that had, had, we had went through to, to, to get this little girl into the world. And I walked by the chapel in the hospital, and for some reason, I just turned right in the, in the chapel, and I fell to my knees, and I wept. Like, wow, thank you, Lord, for the next generation. I, I was more touched with my grandkids than I have been with my own children. I don't think they ever cried when they were born. I was more excited. Wanted to make sure they were okay. That's because we had to but, think about how to feed them and financial. And <laughs> you know, God's so much bigger than we can conceive. Matthew 10.30 tells us that the very, head, the very hairs of our heads are numbered, right? I, I remember um, last week we heard that from Kent. He talked about that. Some of us that don't have a lot of hair, those of you who are bald, that makes job, God's job a lot easier, so I appreciate you. Anyway, um, did, we put, did we put that up there? Matthew 10.30, did we have that? Real quick. No, I, Okay. So, what's that? You're talking about Deut Deuteronomy, not Matthew. Oh, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy, yes. Did I say Matthew? Oh. Good job back there. Oh, that's because, I, I know. I looked at it wrong, sorry. Matthew 10, 30 does tell us that our, all of our hairs are numbered on our head by God. That's pretty neat. All right, so Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 20. The choice of life or death for this commandment, which I have commanded you today, is not too mysterious for you nor is it, too, is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near in you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments his statues and his judgments that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if, you, but if your heart turns away so that you do not hear 
and are not drawn away and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and your length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Yeah. Are we at the end? Good. So in, in another version, it says, today is the day of salvation. Uh, one of the things that I always wanted to be better at when I, when I knew Christ was I wanted to be able to share Christ. I wanted to, to be able for people to accept Christ. And, and how, do I, how do I do that? And so I was taught by somebody that there, there's a simple way, and it's called the ABCs of salvation. I actually add ABCDs of salvation. I'll explain that in just a second. But A is accept or acknowledge that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ has died and rose again for your sins. C, confess him as Lord and Savior of your life, which you can put Romans 10, 9, and 10 up. And D is actually do the word, read it, study it, and do it, right? So there's, there's a simple way that we as Christians can, can help people um, accept Christ in their life. And if we remember the ABCs of salvation, that can help us. In Romans 10, 9, and 10, I always call the dynamite of the Bible the TNT of the Bible because it's Romans 10, 9, and 10. I think you guys understand that. That if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, this is my story. What's your story? We can be used for his testimony. God's not done with me yet, and God's not done with you yet. And I didn't miss that song. But anyway, yeah, thank you. If anybody wants to come, if anybody hasn't received Christ as their Lord and Savior, or if you need prayer for any kind, I just invite you to come up. Sorry I kept you a little bit after, after uh, lunch. We did get some good word before I came up here from Pastor. Um, anyway, have a, have a great day. Appreciate your time. And I just want to say a blessing for you guys. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you for this church family. I thank you for this body here. Lord, I ask that you bless them, that you fill them up with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you lead them and guide them in the ways that they need to go, Father. We just worship you. We thank you. We praise you. 
We give you all the glory, Lord, because that's what it does. It belongs to you, our great creator. And we are so thankful, Father God, that you found us, that you brought us, that you sent your son to redeem us, Father, so that we can be with you in eternity, in glory one day, with all of our friends, our relatives, all those, Father God, who have gone before us here. And we just thank you for this day today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Dan. And yes, we do have lunch and we have fellowship. We welcome you to stay for that. If you'd like prayer, please come forward and we'll, we'll do that with you. Our coffee time. Goodies. Oh, okay. If you want to, you can play. I missed a song I was going to play from my old days. But if you want to play that and put the words up for those you want to hear it. This is a song that, that while I was going through my struggles that I felt like really ministered to me. And I don't know if anybody knows Jeremy, not Jeremy, but Steve Camp. The song is called Squeeze. Um, but it was, it, it, was, it was just an important time to me. It's all, I also was going to tell the youth, you know, this is, this is kind of the, the Christian rock that I grew up with. So you might enjoy it. Maybe you won't. I don't know. But if you want to play that squeeze song before we, as we go, and if anybody wants to come up, huh? Yeah, and you can put the words up. If anybody wants to come up, you're welcome to. Otherwise, enjoy your, enjoy your fellowship.